You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to weareredwood.org. We hope that the message that you're about to hear will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Thank you, Mike. So thankful that you're here this morning, and I trust that God is already working in your heart through through the music. It's good to see uh, many of you have been away on vacation, and I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you enjoyed some time, and maybe you still have uh, some time going forward, and I hope that you do enjoy that, and uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing you when you get back, and uh, just delighted to be able to, to worship with you. I want to echo what Mike said. We, we had a great time uh, last night bowling. I don't think I've bowled in, I don't know, maybe like 15 years, or maybe or not, and it was a blast doing it. And I don't know about you, but I'm like sore in places that I didn't know that I had muscles. Uh, and I didn't know that bowling uh, could do that. But we had a great time last night. I was joking uh, with some folks, and I was talking to some of our deacons, that we've got some people that want to partner with our church uh, this morning. I said, you've got to bowl over a 70 to be a part of Redwood. And that, was, of course, was all uh, a joke. And uh, But we're just thankful for what God is doing uh, in people's hearts. I'm going to ask Christy Charles to stand uh, here to uh, my right, and uh, she has been saved and uh, scripturally baptized, and uh, she's, uh, her desire is to partner with uh, River Baptist Church, and so if I can get a first on Chrissy, Ron and Beck, and then a second, Andrew, all in favor, say amen. Amen. Thank you, Chrissy. You can be seated, and uh, we're just excited about uh, what the Lord is uh, going to continue to do in her life, and uh, she desires to serve here at the ministry. And then Kat Walsh, if you'd please stand uh, there on my left. And uh, again, I teased them about the bowling. And she was on our team. And she did really, really good job. And uh, <laughs> what'd you get? A 97. I think the, I think the winning person, uh, if Prince was at 110, I don't know. But if the winning person would have been uh, Pastor Mike, he definitely cheated. And uh, he would have... He got 133, beat me by one point. I don't know if that's good or bad. But in all seriousness, Kat, it's been such a blessing to uh, our church over these months and desires to partner with. And so if I can get, uh, she's been uh, saved and scripturally baptized as well. If I get Mike in the back there and one more. And Marquita, all in favor, say amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And we're just, uh, we're delighted to partner with you folks and uh, just excited to see what the Lord will do through your life. And uh, really, a church is a body. If you think about a body, you think about your body, there's really no part of your body that is not important. And uh, all you've got to ever do is think about that little pinky toe down there, and you ever stub that thing, and you realize that's an important part of the body. And so uh, we're, we're, we're encouraged uh, by these uh, ladies that have uh, desired to, uh, to get in and jump in and, and, and to serve. And so I'd encourage you, if you're there and, and uh, you want to know a little bit more about membership, and we have a questionnaire, things like that, I'd be happy to give you the information that you need uh, with that. And uh, we're thankful when you, when you look into Acts 2, you see that there were 3,000 people that were there, and they were preaching at Pentecost, and uh, they trusted Christ as their Savior, and uh, then, they were, then they were baptized. And, this, and the Bible says, in the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's kind of where you see the, the concept of added into that local body there. Uh, the Church of Jerusalem, and uh, we're just uh, we're thankful uh, for uh, for these two. Mark chapter five, please. Mark five, as we continue in our series that we have simply entitled Jesus, Jesus from the Book of Mark, and uh, we started last week 
a text that is familiar to uh, anyone that has been in church for any length of time, and it is the story of the, the, the maniac of Gadara. He's not necessarily called that in the, in the text. He's just from uh, a play. He's from the Gadarenes, and so he's kind of been coined as the maniac of Gadara. And we started a journey kind of last week that we will conclude this week on understanding uh, what evil is and the ramifications. Uh, no doubt you've heard many messages from this text, and we've tried to kind of look at it from a different angle, maybe more of a from a practical side of the effects of evil. Uh, but so this morning's title is not so much Understanding Evil Part 2, although it certainly could be that, uh, but it's more uh, going to prepare us for the conclusion. So you have to, you have to stick around for uh, why I have entitled the message, Not Welcome, Not Welcome. Those of you that are guests with us today, you are very welcome to be here, by the way. Uh, so don't take the title of the message and think uh, that in any way uh, that is connected to you, but not welcome. Let's just read the first couple verses, and then, of course, throughout the message, we'll go down through uh, verse uh, 1920. And they came over, verse number one, unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the gatherings. If you recall, that connects you back to chapter number four, where uh, Jesus asked the disciples to get him onto a boat so he could cross and get some rest. They were pressing upon him. Literally, uh, the word picture is like they were going to crush him. Everyone wanted to see Christ and really to benefit from him, not so much to receive the gospel, but more to kind of uh, to, to benefit from his healing power and his uh, things like that. And so he's like, hey, get me on a boat, cross the Sea of Galilee. The storm is raging. He says, peace be still, muzzles the very creation that, that he created. And uh, so now you see coming on the other side of the sea, connection, same uh, same time there, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. If you recall from last week, I described how uh, when I was going through driver's ed, there's a couple of our teenagers in here that are going through driver's education and they have their permit right now and they're going to be uh, going for their license on, I believe it's August 2nd. So you pray on August 2nd. No, don't pray for them. You pray for us, okay? Because they're going to get their license and then maybe hit us with their cars. But uh, no, all seriousness, they're going to do great. Nick and Natalie are the two that are, have that being done, and so they'll also be performing on Friday. I hope that you will come if you have Friday evening off. But uh, back in the day, you know, because I'm such a young old guy, right? But back in the day, you used to have to go in to do driver's training. You'd have some super boring person in front of you and talk for hours and things like that. But one of the days, we always had to watch the movie that was called Red Asphalt. Some of you remember that when you were going through it. And it were these videos of just the carnage of what would take place after someone would break the laws that would go on in, you know, that, that are on the road. And it's, it's a constant reminder. Hey, listen, there are rules that in place do not, do not break those laws. And these, these videos were to remind you of when you think it's not that bad when you break a law. Hey, your blood could be all over the asphalt. Your brains could be all over the asphalt. It was gross and nasty, and it was a very vivid um, picture for you. 
And we have a type of story in front of us, like I said last week, a very detailed, you know, of what went on, you know, with this, uh, with this man. And it's, it, it, it's, a great, it's a great picture for us of what evil's like. And uh, sometimes we don't heed the warnings. Sometimes evil doesn't seem that evil to us. Sometimes when you're gossiping, it doesn't feel that evil to you because you feel good about talking about somebody else. Or maybe when you're lusting after maybe an image or something, it doesn't feel that evil in those moments because you're quote-unquote happy in the pleasure of those moments. And evil doesn't feel that evil uh, when, we're, uh, when, we're, when we're greedy and we want to cheat on our taxes. Do you, do you remember kind of the, some of the illustrations that I used uh, last week? What happens is, is those types of things, they don't seem that evil. And so we have this, we have this reminder before us. Our culture, uh, they call bad good and good bad, and they've got it all mixed up. Western culture uh, in, in, in general says, hey, the greatest, noblest of attributes that you can have is just be tolerant of anything and everything. Just you believe whatever you want, I'll believe what I want. You live the way you want to live, I'll live the way I want to live. Just tolerate it. Just be okay with it. And that's kind of promoted in our society. And yet, we have a text before us of God knowing our hearts. God knowing the fallen nature of our world and what you and I are, are to live in. And we get a little bit of a glimpse of the effects of evil in someone's life. And so we talked about last week how, number one, this man was literally unable to be restrained. They could not they cannot restrain this man. He had evil spirits within him and, and he could not be restrained. It says in verse number 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains because that he'd been often bound with fetters, kind of like you know, locks on the wrists and things like that and the chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And we learned last week that this is kind of what society was like back then. Someone that would maybe be in more of a psychiatric ward of the day in which you and I live, what they used back in that day was they used chains. They would just kind of lock people up so they wouldn't harm themselves and they would not harm others. And so that's kind of uh, the, the world in which we are reading into. And so there's this inability of this man to be restrained. And that's where we received our first lesson. And here's what the lesson was. It is absolutely impossible to restrain, subdue, or conquer evil by external means. If you weren't here last week, these messages are up on the website. I encourage you to kind of kind of connect the dots with last week and today. But evil cannot be conquered that way. And I taught much longer on this topic, but here's what I want to say. You cannot ask the law to do what only grace can do. Can't ask the law to do what only grace can do. It's the change of the heart. Spoke heavily on that at 10 o'clock today. And so this man was literally unable to be restrained. Evil. You, you, just, you, can't, you can't restrain it with, with outside measures. It can only be the Gospel. It can only be Jesus Christ coming into a life that's going to bring about real change. Number two, we talked about how evil in its very nature is destructive. In its very nature. Mark 5, verse 5, And always, night and day, He was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. It's always destructive. You and I are never going to sow evilness, so to speak, and ever come back weeks, months, years later and be like, man, that was a great idea. No, no, no. Always it breeds 
destruction. Even in that moment when it feels good, in the end, is going to be destruction. And again, spoke heavily on that. And then we talked about how do we kill sin and very practical. Again, I'd encourage you to go back online if you haven't listened to that. And then the passage moves to this man's approach of God. And under the influence of these evil spirits, how he approaches God. And I want you to look at it. Look at verse number 8. It will be up on the screen as well. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Now you have to understand There is nothing in this man's approach to Christ that remotely pictures true worship. This is not worship in any way, shape, or form. And this is our third observation. When we we begin to understand evil, it can't be restrained with outside measures. It is always going to be destructive. Its path is destruction. And we see thirdly, as we're kind of looking at evil, we see this. Evil is always against God. It is always at war with God. In fact, evil has as its goal literally to conquer God. And so this man, he, he comes to Jesus and, and, and he falls before Christ and he says, what have, you, what have you to do with me, Jesus? You know, what have, I to, what, what have I to do with you, the Son of the Most High God? And I want you to think, if I, were to, if I were to walk up to you this morning prior to the service and I'd be like, you know, hey, hey, you know, what have you have to do with me? And then I even called you by some name. You know, what have I, what have I to do with you? Would you think, oh, you know, hey, Ryan, he's, you know, he's, really, he's really friendly. We, we, we've got some guests here this morning. We're so delighted that you'd worship with us. If I were to come up before you and I'd be like, you know, what have I to do with you? Hey, Ryan, he's a jerk. You're not thinking, hey, this, is, this is a great guy. He likes me. Uh, no, 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 you're not going to be thinking that. This is an attack. This is rebellion. This is not worship, even though there is a title of honor that is being used. And then it's, it, it, the text almost gets even more outrageous. He said, I adjure thee by God. That's not a word that we use today. But that word adjure uh, literally means I charge you. I, I command you that thou torment me not. Now I want you to get what's happening here. If this really is the Son of the Most High God, now we know that it is, but we're hypothetical here, okay? If this really is the Son of the Most High God, if this really is the Lord of Lords, if this really is the Creator, the awesome God of all power and all knowledge, you're not going to be commanding Him to do anything. You're not going to be like, hey, hey, before you, before you do anything for me, I want to tell you what you're going to do. It's outrageous. Guys, this, this, this isn't worship. And so here's what we need to remember. Evil is absolutely unrestrainable by external means. Evil is always destructive and is never constructive. Evil is always against God and with the ultimate goal being to defeat everything that is righteous. And now where this, this is where this passage begins to get glorious. Verse number 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. 
And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, a bunch bunch of pigs. And all of the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirit went out of and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000, and they they were choked in the sea, or they drowned in the sea. Wow! What a, yeah, there's no contest here. How often in our Western culture of, uh, of over-sensitivity to movies and all that kind of stuff, I'm not preaching against movies, don't worry about that. But there's always like this, there's this struggle, right, between, between good and evil. And it's, oh, we wonder if Jesus is going to win, or we wonder if good is going to win. And there's no contest here. Jesus is like, be gone. And they get out. And they go into the pigs, and the pigs go down and drown themselves in the sea. Listen to you. Listen to me. This is the type of power that Jesus has, that God has over evil. And I want you to, I want you to let this sink in. In your battle with evil, the who you are and the what has been done for you must come before the here is what to do. Let me say that again. The who you are and the what has been done for you must come before the here you must do what to do. Do you you understand that? You must affirm, first of all, the work of Christ and your identity as His child. You've got to acknowledge His warfare for you, the battle for you on His behalf, His conquering of evil. And that gives you the courage then to fight evil. Because your strength over evil is found in His cross. Your strength over evil is found in His grace. We have in this moment this this demonstration of amazing, glorious power of Christ over evil. And there's a couple events that that, kind of come to mind. The first event is the temptation. Remember, we've already gone through the book of Mark. And it's the temptation where He clearly demonstrated His power over the evil one. You remember when Jesus said, he says, hey, I've gone into the strong man's house. I went into his house. I've bound him up and I get to take whatever I want. Guess what? This is a taking time for Jesus. This is just complete power, complete power over evil. This man has been tormented. We don't know how long. He's in the graves. He's screaming. No chains can control him. Nothing exterior. He's cutting himself. He's self-destructing. Evil's all over him. They can't even worship right. And Jesus is like, boom, you're gone. That is the type of power that Jesus has. And we, we, I'm going to include myself, we like to sit there or in our lives, we're going to say, man, I, I, I can't conquer this baloney if you're in Christ. Don't, tar- don't start taking the 10 steps to getting out from underneath that sin before you start saying, hey, I'm a child of the King. I have this conquering one that literally for 40 days was tempted just like I am. Remember the humanity of that moment of, of our series? All of that was substitutionary for you, substitutionary for me. He was winning for you and me. 
so that you and I can conquer whatever situation is in our lives. This is a taking moment. I've bound him up, and I can do whatever I want in this house. I've bound up the evil one. Get out of this man. And of course, they fled. And then, of course, I think of the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus is not temporarily defeated. Jesus is not being bailed out three days later by a resurrection. And listen to me, that's poor theology. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 2, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his what? To what? Talk to me. Hey, 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 we alive? Nailing it to what? Half of you. Let's all do it. Nailing it to his? Awesome. Verse 5. And having spoiled principalities and powers, those are the evil powers, and made a show of them openly, mocking them. This is a taking moment. Triumphing over them in it. The cross. The cross is what defeated the evil. And so this moment looks back to the temptation. This moment in, in Mark 5 looks forward to the cross. Listen, here, here's the model. Here's the model for us this morning. Are we okay? We're all right? Hungry? Okay, let's feed on the Word for a little bit. Then you get to go eat, all right? Here's the model for us. You absolutely ought to fear evil, okay? But you ought to fear Jesus more. You remember a couple weeks ago about what that fear is? You remember when they're on the boats and he talked about how the, the, the fear of, of dying, it was real. And then they see Jesus say, peace be still. And he muzzled the creation, just boom. And then they were astonished in fear. Totally different word. It was like, wow. Jesus is awesome. So yes, fear evil. Don't play with it but be in awe of Jesus more. Awe of His power. Be in awe and amazement of His righteousness. Your celebration of His sacrifice. Celebrate His victory over evil. And then you can stand against evil with hope. You can stand against evil with some, with some courage. Oh, it's not in you. It's in Jesus. You'll not let evil do its nasty work because you are a child of the conqueror, King Jesus. The Lamb, hear me, is your power. I love this stuff. This is what gets me up in the morning. That I don't have to go out there and fight on my own and get into the dredges and get dirty on my own. No, no, no. Jesus goes before me. Jesus is my victory. That's why this morning, if you are a believer, you need Jesus every bit as much today as you did that very first day when you trusted Him as your Savior. If you're here and you do not know Christ as your Savior, make today that day. Jesus, He's our victor. It amazes me in this text that the evil spirits are actually coming to Christ and asking for permission. What's so cool about that is that your Lord is sovereign over everything, even this evil. Now, why is that important to believe? Because His promises can only be guaranteed in situations in which He rules. So if there are situations where Christ doesn't rule, then guess what? You don't have any hope. But the fact that He even rules over the evil, He even rules over the dark nastiness of this world, and He is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, that gives you the courage to be able to stand in His power. 
Listen, evil always creates chaos. It's always destructive. It always brings about death. That's what you see in the 2,000 pigs committing mass swine suicide, right? I've never seen that before. I want you to jump down to verse 14, Nick. Can you help me with that? Verse 14 in the notes. So they, they fly off. Look what it says verse 14. And they that fled, the swine fled. No, and they that fed the swine fled and told in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that was done. Notice what it said. The herdsmen here, the, those that fed the swine, the herdsmen, so to speak, that they, that, 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 that they fled. I would, can you imagine these guys? I mean, the, 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 their, their, their jobs were on the line, maybe even their lives. These were the men that were watching them. Can you imagine going back to the townspeople and kind of particularly going back to the owners of those people that, that, that owned all those pigs and telling them the story? Kind of going back to the owners and be like, hey, I, I lost all your swine. What do you mean you lost all my swine? Yeah, no, 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 they, they all just... They all just ran off this cliff and they drowned in the sea. Well, how in the world did that happen? Well, you know that guy that's, you know, been in the tombs and the, you know, I'm, I'm ad-libbing, okay, this is Johnson version, but you know this is how it went, right? It's like, you know, you, you remember that guy in the tombs there, cut himself at night, he'd break every chain and we were always terrified of him, he was always naked, you know, you remember that guy? Yeah, there was, there, there was this guy that came onto the scene. His name was Jesus. And, and he cast out all the, all the evil spirits that were in that dude and they went into your swine and they just ran off a cliff. Yeah, I would have fled too. Now, you're the owner. What are you going to do? You're firing those guys. These guys, they were, they were scared. They fled. So the townspeople, they come out. Everybody knows of this man. And they see him seated clothed and in his right mind. Verse 15. They came to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Listen, evil, it can't be restrained by outside circumstance. You, you, you can't use the law takes grace, goodness of God, the love of God, lead, lead to repentance. Evil is always destructive. It's never constructive. Evil is always against God. Don't fool yourself. It's always against God. But number four, evil will rob you of your humanity. Evil will rob you of your humanity. Listen, evil will not just rob you of your spirituality. It's not just going to rob you of the noticeable God consciousness, but rob you of your very humanity. The Bible talks about in these last days, perilous times will come, things like that, and there's a laundry list. One of the things that it says is that people are going to live without natural affection. I remember a couple months ago, I was reading the news. And I read about a man who was being charged for murder because he got so upset with his two-year-old baby that he washed him with Drano. 
You remember that? Made national news. You say, right, that's pretty, that's pretty graphic. But I want you to think about this. Every human being, even if it was not a parent or related to that child, there is meant to be built inside of us a, a hard wired by creation, a restraint. But evil destroys all those restraints. And in destroying those restraints, it removes all those natural stop mechanisms, so to speak, and all those natural tendencies to love and the goodness that every human being should have. You see the culmination of this before the flood in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of his heart was only evil continually. But in our text, we see this man due to the fact that he had encountered rescuing power and grace of the Messiah we see that he was restored. He was restored to a full mind. He's, he's gotten his humanity back again. Listen, it was, it was a gift of grace. He, he was not the same. And in fact, he's so restored that he can't, he can't think about anything other than just, just staying with Jesus. And hey, I want to I be with the people of whom I'm like now. Think of his life prior to this. He always had to live in the tombs. He was always most likely one of the men where you would shield your family's eyes from them. You wouldn't want them to hear him and see him. The nakedness and just the ugh of the evil. And now he's like one of them. He's got his humanity back. He can now be viewed as someone that is normal. What is normal anyways, right? But he's like, this is what I want. Can I, can I, just, can I just stay with you? Jesus, don't, don't leave me. Verse 18, and when, he saw, and when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not. But Jesus saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee. And hath compassion on me. Jesus, can I stay? And Jesus says, nope. I got a better commission for you. I want you to tell your story. I want you to go everywhere. And I want you to tell the people that used to know you as the man that was in the, guard, or in, in the tombs cutting himself and that there was no physical power that can restrain you. I want you to go tell the story of the spiritual power that changed your life. I want you to tell your story of grace. I want you to tell your story of rescue. I want you to tell your story of deliverance from evil. Tell your story. Church family, tell your story. Go this week and speak of your story. I know how, how awesome would it be for us just to be able to stay in this room with people that we know love Jesus for the most part, right? And we get to, to sing about Jesus. I love church. But you know what Jesus would say to us? Yeah, come together when the congregation comes together. Get encouraged. Get, get, get refreshed. And then go tell your story. Go tell of your change. Go tell of what you used to be and then you met Jesus. Tell someone your story. But I left out a very important part of this passage. And that comes to the title of the message. Verse 16, And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was 
possessed with the devil. And also, key, and also concerning the swine. Don't go to the next verse yet. So they, hey, what? This man, it's amazing. They told her what happened. And also what happened to the swine, verse 17. And they began to pray him to depart. In other words, to ask him to depart. Who? Jesus. To depart out of their coasts. Please leave. You're not welcome. Why? Because grace was bad for the economy. Deliverance is bad for business. And perhaps this morning, these individuals that asked Jesus to leave are not alone. Perhaps there's times for all of us when we'd rather have a little moment of evil than rescuing grace. Perhaps we would say in our subtle ways of how maybe you would define it, please leave, Jesus, please leave. Holy Spirit, stop convicting me right now because right now, this makes me happy. I would ask you this morning, is there a place in your life where rescuing grace is in the way of what you call happiness? Sadly, in the face of the horror of evil and in the face of this glorious grace and powerful Messiah who we call Jesus, our King and Conqueror, the people said, not welcome. Not here. Can you please go away? Now listen to me. Evil should make us afraid. But it shouldn't make us weak. This evil shouldn't make you timid. It shouldn't make you paralyzed. The reason why is because Jesus marched up that hill some 2,000 years ago to that Calvary. And He bore the full slot, onslaught of evil and he made a mocking show of it. I'm not trying to be arrogant. Jesus is like, bring it on. Give it all to me. And he takes all your sin, takes all my sin, takes the full onslaught of evil, and he makes a show of them in the cross. Triumphing over them. Fear evil, but rejoice in Jesus. Allow, your, allow who you are in Christ Allow that you are accepted in the Beloved. Allow that you are holy and blameless before His eyes. Allow your identity in Jesus be the one thing that causes you to go after the evil in your life. So be cautious of it. That lust, no, that's actually never going to be a good thing. That talking evil of somebody, gossip, no, no, no. That's never going to be a good thing. That greed and lying, drunkenness, whatever, that's never going to be a good thing. And so what you and I need to do is we need to acknowledge our identity. Remember what I said? Let's remember who we are and what's been done for us before we start saying, all right, well, here's what I got to do. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Jesus has already won for your behalf. So your hope's not in your activity. Your hope is found in your identity. 
the conquering King Jesus. Do you know him? No, no, no. Do you know him? I don't mean you know of him. Do you know him? Is he your personal Savior? Have you asked him to rescue you from the ultimate evil of sin that Jesus died on the cross some 2,000 years ago for? Do you know him? Have you trusted him as your Savior? If you haven't, would you allow today to be that day? And if you have, would you allow the cross, would you allow the gospel, would you allow the realities that you know of who you are in Christ be once again the very fuel and the very tracks that you run your life on? As you go into your week, now, minus the week, as you go into your afternoon, you're going to fight evil. You're going to fight Satan with Christ and what he's done for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we thank